Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but but was appointed by him who said, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in other places, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Well, this is Thomas Nelson. I'm here with Will Carlisle and Jackson Randall. We're excited to circle up and talk through Hebrews chapter 5 for a few minutes, these first 10 verses. What jumps off the page, fellas? Man, you know, I drove into the office this morning and I was listening to uh, Jordan Coughlin's song, Rest in Him, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know that song? So the whole idea is come to him, rest in him. And uh, I was thinking about just how ridiculous that <laughs> exhortation is if you stop and think about it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about who are we, who is, who are we going to in that? We're, we're going mm-hmm. to the holy creator God, the all-consuming fire, the, the one who, um, you know, Moses couldn't look at his face, but had to behold his glory in a cave to be protected from God. And mm-hmm. so... You know, I think we could take it for granted sometimes this idea of going to God and resting yeah. in God or hiding mm-hmm. in Christ and, and and not really reckon with who God is. Um, and and so here, uh, we just finished a, a section of scripture that said, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. How in the world do we come to Christ, rest in Christ, draw near with confidence? Well, I think it's Hebrews 5, 1 through 10. That's That's why we can do that. You know, there's this uh, idea that uh, a high priest is going to be one who's going to make atonement for the sins of the people. Uh, but high priests don't just become high priests. They don't make yeah. themselves high priests. They have to uh, go through, you know, sort of a, uh, a qualification process. And part of that is being called. Part of that is being able to sympathize with the people. Um, and, and so there's all these things that need to be done and what this passage is coming along and saying is, well, Jesus is that high priest. You know, he was called by God himself, just like all the other high priests were called. Uh, he suffered many things. Uh, he uh, learned obedience. He's able to sympathize. He's able to be a high priest. And not only is he uh, a high priest, but he's the great high priest. You know, mm-hmm. he is sure. that great prophet, priest, and king, so to speak. And and so. Jesus is not like all the other high priests who make atonement for themselves as well as the people. Jesus comes as the atonement. Uh, mm-hmm. Jesus comes as the lamb. And so because of that, 
uh, we are able to draw near to God with confidence because as verse nine says, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation Mm. to all who obey him. Mm. And so I think this is one of those passages that's meant to just give us an extreme amount of confidence that we can draw near to to God uh, because of Jesus, our priest. That's good. Yeah, I think this passage really helps me think correctly about Jesus because I think, you know, I I spoke on this a little bit in Hebrews 4 in yesterday's reading, but this idea that you know, I can sort of begin to view Jesus as, as a demigod, mm-hmm. you know, where he kind of walked the earth and, and was among men, but, you know, he was not really human. Right. And that being like sort of this subconscious, like functional view of Jesus. And, and these, some of these phrases here at the end are are so striking you know jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save from death you know we even i'm reading through luke right now for my own study and um you know you get these constant little moments where jesus is alone praying or he he goes with like two or three apostles and prays yeah and you know, I, in that, I think even my view of Jesus is it's like this very like powerful, um, you know, just controlled stoic, like Jesus sitting on a rock and whatever. And, and not like a poor in spirit, like loud cries and tears, crying out to the Father type of prayer mm-hmm. that we're told here is what, you know, he embodied. And then this this idea that, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And um, that that word for learned is also, you know, can be kind of interpreted as he studied or was instructed in obedience. And I think that that is really fascinating, like the idea that, you know, uh, a father disciplines the child whom he loves. And, and mm-hmm. in the sense, the Lord disciplined Jesus, not in a, punishing for sin, but he was trained into, into this submissiveness and being made perfect became the source of eternal salvation. And I think that just helps me have such a richer view of Jesus. Like Jesus didn't just come down here and easily painlessly, like walk through life and, mm-hmm. and get crucified and rise again. But that was stained with him besetting himself with weakness and you know what separates jesus from the other high priests is it they are ignorant and wayward and are you know beset with weaknesses because of their nature Mm -hmm. jesus he's been enthroned since you know eternity past and yet he beset himself he he emptied himself and to, to the point of suffering so that we might have a friend in him, mm, a companion yeah. in him. And to me, that's just such a more, that evokes so much more worship than this demigod figure that I can't really relate to. Yeah, I think as we're looking at the humanity of Christ in here, you know, the, the technical word would be the hypostatic union where you've got the all divine and all human coming together and people have actually come up with some really 
and had some really incredible thoughts when it comes to the hypostatic union. And people have come up with some really dangerous thoughts. <laughs> really strange. Uh, <laughs> really strange. And I think verses eight and nine could lend themselves to like some off base right. thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, like he learned obedience. Okay. So you're saying he's like divine and perfect, but he still had to, to learn obedience. And then in, if you want to make it even more complex, it says, and he was made perfect mm-hmm. in verse nine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you go back, you look at the original language, you understand the the full counsel of scripture and you realize like to learn something is to experience it also. It's not just, I learned a math problem. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he learned this obedience because he experienced what he needed to experience. And that mm-hmm. made him a complete student of what God called him to do. And he was made perfect, not in a moral sense, but he perfectly completed his ministry, his role that God assigned him to do while he was on earth. It's it's beautiful that we see this. And if you want further reading, I think maybe if there's one chapter in the whole Old Testament to help understand the book of Hebrews, it would be Leviticus 16, the, the description of Yom Kippur, uh, the high holy day, mm-hmm. the day of repentance and confession, because you see the priest walk in. Yeah. But before he walks in, he's got to kill an animal for himself. That's where you see the famous scapegoat mm-hmm. and the other goat that's sacrificed. And when you read that one chapter, and then you come to a Hebrews 5 or Hebrews 9 or Hebrews 10, you really start to see, oh, Jesus was the priest. Oh, he was the bull that was sacrificed. Oh, he was the scapegoat. Oh, he was the goat that was sacrificed. Like, yeah, amen. He was the f- complete picture of what people did every year mm-hmm. in this hope for their sin being atoned for. Yeah. It's just incredible. And simultaneously, since he is the priest, he can be gentle with us, not because I'm looking at verse two, not because he was ignorant and wayward himself but because he walked in flesh and understood what it's like to be one of us right. without ever sinning. Mm-hmm. And that takes us back to Hebrews four, where we, you've mentioned Jackson, you've mentioned it. Well, like we can draw near cause we have a high priest who's unlike all the other high priest. And yet he can relate with us. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. So, what an incredible start to uh, chapter five here. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, For Jackson Randall and Will Carlisle, I'm Thomas Nelson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.